listening to Rising Above with Becky Davidson. But this is a place where we are all kind of struggling together and casting those struggles and our cares on Jesus and saying, you're going to have to pull us through. Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hey friends, I am so glad that you are joining us this week. It is so hard to believe that we are already in the month of September. This year is just flying by. But because it's a new month, that means that we have new free family downloads for this month that go along with our theme this year of Anchored. And we have loved hearing from churches and families throughout this year about the ways that they have been using the free downloads. One of the moms that I know, she has printed out all of the memory verses for each month onto photo paper and then has placed them around her home just to be reminded of God's truth. And we've also heard from churches who pass them on to the families who are part of their disability ministries in their churches to encourage them. So if you've not checked them out yet, no worries. You can find them all. Every download for this year, every month is available on the Rising Above app or website. So be sure to check those out. I know that they will be an encouragement to your family. My guest today is Diana Swinson. And Diana is a wife and a mother of two children including her son, Colin, who has multiple disabilities. Diana has a love for music and has used her talents and gifts to launch Vocal Inclusion, where she teaches approximately 40 students of all abilities. I met Diana last year through the Rising Above community group that I lead, and we had such a great conversation about her family and her work with Vocal Inclusion. And I know that you'll be encouraged when you hear part of Diana's story. Good morning, Diana. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm pretty good today. Pretty, pretty, pretty good today. Well, that's a, That's always a good thing. You know, if we can get up first thing in the morning and say, we're pretty good today, you know, that's, that's, that's after, you know, you and I both have boys who have, have lots of needs. And so if we can get up in the morning and say, I'm pretty good, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. So I'm glad to see you. Me too. Thanks for being here. And I'm excited for people to get to hear you and your story and uh, just some of the things that you have done out of the life of your son. And so I can't wait for people to hear all of the beautiful things that his life has brought forth. But, you know, you did not uh, get into mothering. You didn't have a very easy story. Uh, your birth story was very challenging. So tell us... Um, that journey and and what those early days were like for you, yeah. Right after Colin, and Colin's he's Colin's now how old? He's what nineteen. Nineteen. So let's go back <laughs> to those early days. What was that like? Oh, to go back to the early days. It's um. Mm. <laughs> so Colin, who was my first child, and I'd never been pregnant. I was twenty eight. I believe so. I wasn't, I didn't start super young, but nowadays it's, you just have no idea how old people will be when they get pregnant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But with Colin, I had a regular pregnancy up until the end where basically I had to have an emergency C-section 
after something happened that created a birth injury situation. Um, and legally, I'm not going to go into all of that, but we have um, had to go through some lawyers and Colin's situation has been declared a birth injury. And because of that, we have this um, neurological fund to help us with Colin's care needs. But as far as um, after his birth, I woke up from being knocked out from an emergency C-section and I was told that Colin, um, it took them 11 minutes to resuscitate him. Mm. And if he made it through the night, their words were, if he made it through the night, that they would move him to our local children's hospital. At that point, I was um, really in shock <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because I was not, you know, he wasn't a preemie. He wasn't, I had no, no forewarning yeah. of any of us. So um, not that that makes it any easier on anyone, but there, it was just such a shock and still sitting in the maternity ward where People are walking by, going to visit mm -hmm. the healthy babies and, um, you know, seeing people with their balloons and hearing other babies cry while mine's in the NICU in the same ward, uh, awaiting a, a basically travel to the children's hospital mm -hmm. locally um, the next day if he were to make it through the night. So he, um, he was baptized. We had a, a pastor that actually that married my husband and me come in and baptize him. And we just kind of waited to see what was going to happen. Um, and then the second day I was recovering from a C-section, so they wouldn't let me leave. So I had to sing goodbye because I've been singing a lullaby to him for nine months in my stomach mm -hmm. almost. <laughs> and so I had to sing goodbye to him and let him go in the hands of others to travel to the children's hospital, which I wasn't able to do until, uh, until I was able to go to the bathroom and walk around and all those things. Mm, so yeah. I forced myself to do that probably much quicker than I would have had this not been the situation. So they let me go a day early. Um, so I was able to see him the next day, but it, it was awful. It was absolutely mm -hmm. awful. Yeah. And I'm just imagining for, you know, I know other moms have experienced that same feeling of you're separated. You know, you've, you've been carrying this baby for you know, close to nine months. And then all of a sudden they are away from you and someone else is caring for them. And I can't even imagine what that must have been like for you. It, it was, it was excruciating. Um, plus I was hitting a button for my own pain, mm -hmm. um, the drugs that they were giving me. I do remember um, going to see him the first day at CHKD or our local children's hospital. And um, coming home that night without him. And mm -hmm. if we, for some reason, <laughs> my husband and I decided that we wanted to live on a third story. Oh goodness. Of, of an apartment building at that time. So I remember walking up the stairs without my baby. Um, and I just broke down mm -hmm. on the second floor. And this, this is totally God. There was this woman who I really wasn't, I didn't know any of my neighbors, but there's one woman she sweetest lady. I don't even remember her name now, but we always saw each other checking the mail. She was the only person in the apartment complex that ever said hi to me. And she knew I was pregnant and she brought me into her apartment after I was like crying on the stairwell. Wow. Um, she brought John and me into her apartment where she was hosting um, an after 
celebration for her brother's funeral. Mm. And she had people in there and this group of prayer warriors just prayed over John and me. And it was the most powerful thing I have ever experienced. Um, well, I will say now one of the most powerful, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was a moment that I just will not forget because I just, she just kept saying, your baby will come home with you. Your baby will come home with you. Mm. And I just sat there and cried and John just sat there and they just laid their hands on us and prayed over us. Um, so we were able to start the journey with this incredibly fragile, medically complex. Mm. Wow. And so I can only imagine what those first few days, yet alone first few years were like for you. Describe for us kind of what that looked like. I mean, it was life and death and yes, all the time, I think. Yes. Um, so in the NICU, there were moments of, um, moments of clarity, I guess you would say, where you would sit down and talk to different doctors and uh, different residents because it's a learning hospital. And I had... Um, the first sit down with a neurologist, they said he has three months to live Mm. and you can take him home with the local children's hospice and love him. And he said, after he said he had three months to live, I pretty much tuned him out Mm because I didn't want to believe him. Um, And then he said, I remember vaguely, but my husband was also in the meeting. He said, or he said he has three months to live or severely um, developmentally, physically disabled for the rest of his life. Mm. So um, I started praying for the latter. And I said, God, (laughs) you're going to have to help me to learn how to take care of this baby the way that he is at this point in time. Um, No matter what happened to him, I can't go back in time and fix anything. So Lord, just give us the strength. And so we, we did about a month in the NICU. Um, you know, I'm pumping like crazy, trying to get him the milk that he can't take by mouth because he didn't develop a swallow reflex. And, um, we ended up going home after about a month, came home with the local children's, um, hospice and within probably the first year and a half probably went we were frequent flyers. We kept coming back to the hospital. Um, we had pneumonia, um, bronchitis, all sorts of RSV, horrible things for babies in general, uh, let alone a baby who has no sucker swallow. Mm-hmm. So there was, um, I, I even remember a moment where we were driving him in the van and giving him blow of oxygen and praying that we could make it to the hospital because a bridge decided to come up. And we were waiting in traffic to get him to the hospital. Uh, And then by the time we got there, they intubated him so he could breathe. Um, So he has had, and we have had many moments where it was just touch and go. Uh, Mm -hmm. He has a t-shirt. That's that old Aerosmith song, Living on the Edge. (laughs) 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 Because you have to have a sense of humor in this life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, he he's a teenager now, yes. young young adult, and you know he is, is is here with you. And you know, even after that doctor said, you know, he did say, you know, three months or your life's going to look a little different. And so, tell us about Colin today and what his day to day looks like. 
So Colin is um, severely developmentally and physically disabled. Um, Colin spends the majority of his time in his bed, sometimes in his peapod chair, which is like a comfortable wheelchair. <laughs> um, and he's, he's on a ventilator now, and he has a trach. He has never eaten by mouth. He has a G-tube. Um, he's got all the things as far as when I talk to people and say, just imagine like one of the most severely <laughs> complex medical people that you can imagine. And that would be Colin physical appearance. Mm -hmm. However, his um, spiritual self, as well as his just the character that he is, um, mm -hmm. he he's hilarious. He will wake up. Um, and when he's having a good day, the first thing that he does is waits for praise baby to come on. We've been listening to the same DVDs. Yeah. That's little. Yeah. <laughs> we have five of them. So I do Monday through Friday, and then I repeat some on the weekends, mm. and you will start um, vocalizing and smiling and just praising the Lord. So I always look at him and go, wow, you may be broken physically, but you are not broken spiritually. Mm -hmm. uh, he loves he loves um, pre preschool television shows. So he's met uh, Lori Berkner Band, and he's met um, for his Make-A-Wish, he met Signing Times, Rachel Coleman. Um, the main places that we have taken him besides doctor appointments that he's enjoyed <laughs> are basically the little preschool rock concerts. Mm -hmm. So he loves his music. He loves um, to be with others. He does have day-to-day -day things, though. We have some days we have seizures. So, I mean, I, I can't say there's been a week in his life where I didn't see something neurological going mm -hmm. on with him. Um, so we have to watch how much stimulus he gets. Um, we can't get him overstimulated because he can get really going sometimes mm -hmm. with his laughter, mm -hmm. but we have to watch different times of the day. Um, and he's on a lot of medication and it can be stressful on that end. Um, but I always look at him and say, if you can get up and smile and praise yes. the Lord every day, and the rest of us are just walking around the earth complaining about really, really stupid things. Mm -hmm. um, he's, he's my greatest teacher. I, I love that. And I think there's so many, I mean, I could say the same thing about my son. You know, I look at him <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you wake up and you are smiling and you are happy and you are content. And I want to be more like that. You know, it's just, there's such a joy. And, <laughs> I, you know, I think so often though, you know, people will look at our families and, they they don't see what you and I see. So yeah. what do you you know, what do you want people to know about Colin? What do you want people to know about your family? Um, that's a great question. I feel like I'm always deciphering who my audience is at the time mm -hmm. because I have gone to hospitals um and done talks for doctors and I've invited residents into our home to meet Colin so that they see what these kids' lives are like outside of the hospital. Mm, that's so good. And those are super powerful moments because they really come to our environment a little bit blind, not knowing what they're going to come into, which is what happens to all of us when we go into their environment. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's been very powerful. But as far as just the everyday average person, um, there's, there's such a level of 
everything that everybody has in their lives. There's pain, there's loss, there's grief, there's hope, there's joy. There's nothing that's just one thing. It's all of these things weaving together. Um, so there are days where I'm going to look exhausted and I may need some support on those days. And then there's days where I don't want you to look at my child like, oh, how, how sorry I am for mm -hmm. you because I had to deal with that 19 years ago and I don't, I can't go there every day or else I would be a miserable person. Mm -hmm. So just to, um, just to try to see our family through spiritual eyes, prayerfully, most, you know, the people that have the Lord can see that there's a lot of blessings here. Um, and then for those just everyday average people that when they see a child in a wheelchair that's medically complex coming through the store or wherever you are, um, to pause, <laughs> you're allowed to say, I'm thankful this is not my life. Mm. You are allowed to say that. Um, but don't say that to me. Yeah. And realize that if you have a question, you're welcome. I'm usually an open book some days. I will look down like I do not have the time to teach the world today. But Colin's ready to say hi to people. It may not be the same way that you and I say hi to people, but to know that they are an important part of the community. Um, he's homebound a lot, but he still enjoys interaction when he's out. Um, and to see him, to don't feel like you have to dart away. Or mm -hmm. if your child has a question, you don't have to pull them because you don't want them to seem rude. It's actually the children that have the better questions and the better interactions with Colin than the adults nine out of 10 times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they, they are not concerned. They just, you know, they, I love that the innocence of children that they just, they want to know. And, and, you know, I think you're right. So often adults just turn their head because they don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, I know, you know, it's, it's been a challenging journey for you. Uh, throughout the years, but I know that Colin has brought so much goodness to your life. And so when you look at him, what is it about him that you're just like, oh, I just love this so much about Colin? Um, I always, my dad always says, Colin's a big deal. And I, I love that because Colin is a big deal. He is just as important, if not more important than everybody else in this world. Um, so I look at him and I see my big deal. I see <laughs> this mm -hmm. big old hunk of chunk of boy. He's not scrawny. He's 150 pounds and he's as tall as I am if he was standing. Um, you know, dad's 6'3". So I see this big hunk of a man that's a little bit like a child, like forever, a forever <laughs> um, toddler mm -hmm. basically in his understanding of the world. And I look at him and I'm like, that's not so bad to mm. be in this world of peace and innocence and um, happiness over things that the rest of us, we grow out of. We're, we're not mm -hmm. as, we don't smile as easily as we used to, right. as we were when we were children. So I just see, um, I see his smile. I see, and I'm actually looking at the Colin cam. Right now, my mm, yeah. camera that I call a column cam. <laughs> yes. As, as I'm telling you this, but I, I just see joy and an overabundance of love that the Lord has um, entrusted to me for whatever amount of time He's given us. Yeah. 
And because of that, my home business is um, literally surrounding myself with people of all abilities and music. Well, and that's a great segue into that next topic. But yes, out of his life, you created a home business called Vocal Inclusion. So tell us about that, how it got started, what your heart is behind that and what you do. So um, I graduated from college in 1999. That ages me a little bit. And at the time I was singing, um, really, I was trained classically. So I was singing lots of opera. And but I always had a love for musical theater. Um, When Colin was born, I was in the schools teaching public schools, K through five, fifth grade chorus and all the little kids. And um, after a couple of years of trying to work part time in the schools and take care of Colin at home, it wasn't working. Um, So I started staying home full time and teaching an occasional voice lesson here and there to a typically developing person, because we all know this terminology. And um, I ran into a couple of fellas at the Ability Center in Virginia, where another mom had said, why don't you go do music therapy with this group of adults with you know special needs, all sorts of developmental disabilities there. And I was really scared. I was like, oh, what if they don't like me? What if I don't know what I'm doing? Because I've never worked with people with disabilities. And this is me. This is me. Like 20 years later, I laugh at that. <laughs> so I was scared. Um, but I walked in there. And the second time I walked in there, they start clapping when I walk in. I was like, wow, I don't get this reception anywhere. <laughs> um, and it just opened my eyes to how everybody loves music. And then I realized I'm connecting with my child who's nonverbal with music all the time. So how can I meld those two worlds together? Uh, And I began working on uh, theater and voice lessons for people with disabilities. And then the inclusion aspect really came into play because um, I just love teaching voice. And my daughter was born Uh, when Colin was five. And I realized, wow, you know, these worlds can really collide in a good way and level the playing field where everybody will see each other as peers, where there's so many places where it's about, um, you know, they say it's inclusive, but it's not so much volunteerism, which again, is not a bad thing. Volunteerism is needed. But I wanted my heart and my soul was praying for a world where Colin and Chloe could be in the same place and do what they love. Mm-hmm. Colin, however, has chosen not to perform. Mm. He did one musical and uh, he actually did Les Mis. He played um, the priest and he, there was a man behind him in all black who sang his lines. Oh, and Colin was in his wheelchair and it was beautiful and Colin hated it. Um, but since then, uh, vocal inclusion has just taken off. I have about, it depends on the time right now it's summer. So not as many students, but during the regular school year, I have about 30, 35 students of all abilities. And I'm intentional Mm. about keeping it, um, inclusive. I literally, if I take a student who is typically developing the next one, I need to know has something about them that clarifies them as having some sort of a quote unquote disability. Mm-hmm. It's very important to me to say inclusion, mean inclusion and do inclusion. And I haven't 
quite found any other business. And I, I work in different places um, that have been able to do that. And that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay that there are some places where only people with disabilities gather. And there's, it's okay that there's places where only people without disabilities gather. But God, because of Colin, has placed on my heart that I need to see people accept one another for who they are. And to see a child who she just, she's the touring Broadway Annie. Wow. Incredibly gifted, talented, 11-year-old girl, big, huge voice, steals the show every show she's in on the same stage and sometimes duetting with a girl who's in a wheelchair Mm. who also has such a desire to share her gift and her art. Um, We all want to be seen. Base Camp is a weekend getaway just for special needs dads, and it's coming up on October 13th, 14th, and 15th. Guys enjoy good food, fun activities, encouraging messages, plus a chance to connect with other dads and relate about the challenges and adventures unique to the special needs journey. See the show notes for a link to all the details. You know, I love that and, and the thought of them interacting together. You've got, you know, your student who's going to be in Annie. You've got your other students who have disabilities and then that interaction together. And how have you seen this play out for your, you know, your, your friends who have disabilities who are there? Tell me, tell me something about, tell me a share story with us about how you have seen this opportunity for them impact their story. Well, to be honest, it's not necessarily the students that I see the huge breakthroughs in because the students are all there for the same reason. The students are there for the love of music. They want to perform. They're hams. <laughs> they want to be seen and applauded. I usually see the big breakthroughs in the parents mm. and the audience members that come to my shows for the first time where they haven't ever seen anything like that. Or I'll have a mom in the middle of a voice lesson just break down on my couch crying because she sees her child who has Down syndrome singing with another typically developing child and just being friends. Um, Mm. Again, the way it should be, but it just isn't out there in the world. So I will see a lot of my special needs parents have those Mm -hmm. kind of moments. And then to see, um, well, I would say the typically developing students seem to have more breakthroughs too. I, it's never, it's rarely the my friends with disabilities because mm-hmm. they're they're just here to be. They're the here dollar. living their best life. Yeah, it's so great. I do have a student who just did um, a duet. Uh, they did just the two of us, the Bill Withers song on my last recital, and his name's Jeremiah, and he goes to our Governor School of Arts. And he sang with a little boy named Levi who has Down syndrome and they're now best buds. Um, and if they, you know, they want to see each other outside of lessons, they want to know about each other's lives. Mm. Levi is now in a commercial on Amazon. Um, wow. and, and so they're, you know, they're keeping in touch and they'll see each other at every recital. They'll grow up together. Mm. So amazing. And, you know, what a gift for our friends, your friends that have disabilities and the ones who don't to be able to come together and do that. And, you know, now you also, you have a daughter, you have a daughter as well. And I am sure that she's gotten some of your talents and your gifts (laughs) that have come along uh, through this. And tell us about her and how 
being Colin's sister has impacted her? So Chloe is turning 15 tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday, Chloe. Yeah, she is um, really, I know I'm biased, but she's just an amazing young lady. Uh, when she was young, because she came second, um, and actually I had a miscarriage in between the two of them, and I say that only because people don't talk about that enough, so I mm-hmm. want to just say it publicly so people feel like it's okay to talk about those things. Yeah. Um, but Chloe um, came when Colin was five. And so she grew up with a brother with disability. So for a long time, I feel like she was looking at everyone in life, like, where's your brother in a wheelchair? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it was normal for her. And she um, also had just an intuitiveness that he needed a little more care. So she would always like when she was little, be loving on him and hugging him. He's a safe space. You know, you can tell him a secret and he's not going to tell on you. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but as she's grown, what I've seen is um, a maturity that I really think is only experiential where, well, she has sung with one of her best friends. She's grown up with um, Madeline who has Down syndrome and and Chloe's really talented, but Chloe does not try to steal the spotlight when she knows it's somebody else's time in the spotlight. So there's times where we have duets where students sing together, but there's sometimes where a student like Madeline sings and is front and center, but needs a little bit of extra help behind her to um, help her with the word. So Chloe has been on recitals singing behind someone as their shadow, as their companion, however you want to say it, um, providing support for them, but never overshadowing that person, Mm. making sure at the end of the song when people are clapping that she, you know, points to that person so they get the applause, not her. Uh, And those kind of things, you know, sometimes in the theater life that we live in, it's all about get in the spotlight. Right. You're the best. You need to get better so that you can beat everyone. And, and honestly, I kind of grew up that way until I mm. lived this world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to see that she doesn't have that, sometimes I'm like, come on, you need to like step it up because if you want to audition. But to see that she's so selfless because she doesn't have to have the spotlight all the time. Mm. I always think of that quote that says, you know, God doesn't shine the spotlight on who wants it. He shines it on the person who doesn't need it. Um, so I believe that Chloe is just... She's just growing into this young woman that God has called her to be. There's so much about her besides just her singing, but she's got a gorgeous singing voice. And right now she's really into science. So, ah, there you go. That's great. Well, you know, I know she, I've just heard some of her story through you because you are in our community group on Wednesdays. And that's how I got to know you was because you are part of that group. And so I've known a little bit about your family through that and about your daughter. But tell about the community group and your experience in the group and how it's impacted you as a mom. Oh, I'm going to be honest. I've tried so many community groups Mm, over the years. And there's I've gotten something out of all of them because I believe that God can move no matter what group you're in if you have God in it. However, I have never had a group of women who have all have children with some sort of a, um, you know, disability or health issue and are Christians. 
There's definitely mm-hmm. the groups that are out there for um, all the special needs moms. And there's the groups out there for the Christian moms. But it collided. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the collision of those two lives of people that put their faith and their trust in Jesus, even if it's a really hard day, um, to to be able to support each other and to be honest with each other, to have honest conversations and encourage each other when things aren't going well. Um, It's been a lifesaver for me to know Mm -hmm. I can, I have a Wednesday group that I can come to and talk to. And if something's going on besides a Wednesday, we have um, that little chat group also. And I know that if I put something, someone will pray. And if they put Mm -hmm. something, I will pray. So it's, it's a lifesaver. And there's, Really, I haven't seen anything like it. No one is looking at the other one like, oh, I'm so sad for you. Your life is so horrible. Um, mm-hmm. But you do sometimes get because people don't understand. Right. They all just want to show up with casseroles at your house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but again, I love I love that, that you can get stuff from that. But this is a place where we are all kind of struggling together and and casting those struggles and our cares on Jesus mm-hmm. and saying, you're going to have to pull us through. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. thank you for bringing these ladies together, Becky, and allowing me to be part of it. Mm. Well, I'm just, I'm glad you found us and that you've been part of the group. I mean, I think you've been with us about a year now, maybe. Yeah. Probably since by the brook last year, maybe. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got a sweet, sweet group and, um, it's life giving to me and I know it is to the other moms there. So if you're listening and you are not part of a community group, go check them out because it truly is, um, life giving. And, you know, and I know it's important, like you said, if you have a prayer request, you can put it there in the group and, you know, some, someone's going to pray for you and be cheering you on. And, you know, you, with your life with Colin, you face multiple life-threatening situations, you know, every week. And, you know, how do you handle those hard days? You know, I I know um, for those of us who have kids who have medical issues or, you know, I I experienced it more with my late husband, those days of, are we going to end up in the hospital? You know, you wake up in the morning not knowing what that day's going to look like medically. And that can be so traumatic on our hearts. And, you know, so what, what are some things, what do you do on those hard days? Because I know you have hard days and hard nights where his breathing's off or, you know, stats are, are, are not great. And so how do you manage that? Well, I definitely have to constantly remind myself that God gives me manna for the day mm-hmm. um, because I can go into all sorts of what ifs. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I'm doing right now for myself, for my self care is doing therapy and mm-hmm. talking to someone about um, how to handle those situations that are going to come um, for myself. I have, because I can tend to forget things. I literally have, something written down for if Colin has a seizure because I might not be able to stay calm. So I Mm -hmm. have this little list of if it's more than this, I do that if it's more than that. And I mean, I've been doing this for 19 years and I Mm -hmm. still have to remind myself and something about having something written down, like, okay, if he's having, um, if he's having a little bit of breathing problem, I push this button on the ventilator and that can change him to a different setting. Uh, 
So organization for me is Mm -hmm. absolutely crucial. Uh, Scheduling is absolutely crucial. Knowing what time I'm doing all his breathing treatments and what time we're doing his range of motion, those kind of things. But hard days, I do a lot of crying Mm -hmm. (laughs) and crying out to God. And, um, you know, there are days where I say why. There are days when I don't say why. And I just say, you got to pull me through this. You got to pull him through however that looks. Our family needs help, Lord. Um, Crying out for help is huge. And Mm -hmm. then I I have a stack of go-to books and podcasts and Mm -hmm. YouTube channels that it's the middle of the night and he's had a moment, he's had a a seizure, but he's back asleep. He's good. He's calm. Mm -hmm. Usually he can calm down way before I can. Right. Just have these go-to gurus. You're one of them. (laughs) You can pull (laughs) up the Rising Above app and listen to a respite. Mm. Um, There's so many different places that I have to remind Mm. myself there are people. I'm not alone. Even though it feels like it sometimes. One, Mm. Jesus hasn't left me. And Mm -hmm. two, there's other people who have either lived this before and Mm -hmm. they're okay now. Even, you know, this is a big one for me, even if their child has passed. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people and, um, you know, Colin's not going to live to 80. So knowing that there are an arsenal of women out there that have already survived incredible loss and are sisters in suffering, Mm -hmm. as well as knowing there are sisters in suffering that are on our WhatsApp waiting to pray for each other Mm -hmm. Um, because this life is not easy. Yeah. Having a child who you feel like you are really in charge of their every moment of the day Mm -hmm. and night. Um, And then accepting help when you can get it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's a biggie. That's a hard one sometimes because I know, especially in your situation with all of his complex medical needs, it is really hard to let people into that space. Yes. Um, you know, and so I know that that can be challenging, but you mentioned something and I want to go back to about respite for your mind. And we've mentioned that on the, on the podcast intro sometimes tell people about respite for your mind, but you know, from somebody who actually uses it, you know, we created this resource because it was something that I personally needed mm-hmm. and for the same thing up in the middle of the night, but how has, how has respite for your mind helped you on those long, hard nights? It's helped me to breathe. Mm. Um, there's a reminder to breathe, <laughs> uh, and, and just to listen to someone's soothing voice and to hear the word of the Lord, to hear some application is even a pretty picture, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. literally taking it down to the five senses of having something I can listen to. I have a pretty picture I can look at. I can feel myself breathing in and out, um, and slowing down my heart because I'm starting to breathe differently. I'm starting to breathe more relaxed. Um, Just, it's crucial to have, again, something I'm learning, decompression time. Mm -hmm. Every, Every soldier out there does it. They don't come home and go straight back to their families when they've had some sort of a battle. Um, So if you look at it as, when we have things happen to our children or in our family and we have a battle, I kind of use the respite for, you know, my decompression time so mm-hmm. that I can get myself back. And 
it may take me listening to it a couple times. Yeah, I have to say, yeah, I hear you. And longer ones, there's options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, yes, I highly recommend that. Um, And then the other one that you talked about, the pause. Um, Yes, yeah. yeah. John Eldridge's the one minute pause. Yeah, so good. And, you know, you you may have already mentioned some of these things, but, you know, you've been through a lot in your life. Yeah. And your son's been through a lot. Your family's been through a lot. But what are ways that you rise above your circumstances and you find joy in your story? I don't know who said it, but the thriving, not just surviving. I have mm-hmm. that quote somewhere out there in the universe um, is something that I try to take with me into the daily um, because there are days where I'm just going to be surviving. That's true. Mm-hmm. But on the days where things are more calm, because we do have calm and, you know, there's storms and there's calm and rainbows and then calm again and then a big storm and then, you know, maybe a blizzard. Just to take those moments that you do have calm and relish in them. That's a huge one for me that I'm working on still after 19 years that I want to enjoy the calm times and not be uh, forecasting another storm. Mm, so, so true. It's so easy to, to go into the what ifs and the what's, what's going to be the next traumatic thing that's going to happen. And, you know, learning to stay, my counselor talks about staying in the flow, yes. you know, like not, um, not going to fight, fight or flight or freeze all the time, but just when things happen to go into flow. And so, phew, that's a tough one. That is a tough one for us with as parents. But Diana, thank you so much for being here today and sharing some of your story. And if people want to find out about vocal inclusion, how can they find out more about that? Um, So I am at www.vocalinclusion.weebly.com. I use Weebly because it's free. Um, There you go. Small business. Um, Anyone could contact me that way or my email, uh, DMWASSON, which is DMWASSON at yahoo.com, especially if they're interested in um, maybe finding a place that's close to them that does inclusion mm-hmm. or starting something inclusive. Um, I've done talks for places because it, I always say it's not rocket science. It's really not. It's just looking at each person as an individual, which is what God does. He created us as individuals. Um, so they can contact me that way. Great. And we'll be sure to include that in the show notes so people can easily find that. But thank you so much for your time. And um, I look forward to seeing you next week in community group. So. Me too. Thank you, Becky, for everything you do. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson, created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, Joy can be found in every story.